Well, welcome back to the Limehouse Podcast. How are you doing? I'm okay. Judging, um, oh, hi, welcome, if it's uh, your first time here. Welcome, hello, yes, good Good to see you. And I do mean that, I'm just a bit haggard at the moment, as you can tell from the timbre of my voice. Last night, had mushrooms for the first time, which was great, really enjoyed it. Age 40, finally got high in a different way, um, but spent the night next to my, my smoke machine. Um, my smoke machine. What does that mean? That basically means that uh, New Year's Eve a few years ago, I bought a little one just to, for shits and gigs, and uh, it, it stuck around, man. It's not in landfill, and uh, yeah, we got it on the go. We got we got the ice machine on the go. The uh, the, the, the the fact is, it just dries your your throat out a lot, especially when you insist on dancing very close to it to um, funk funk music or blues and then ended up jamming blues for about an hour with Tristan previous guest and friend of the show um so this this week um god what a pivot this is going to be uh one of the one of the one of the coolest mother truckers of the god i don't know like one of the coolest guys of the the 1990s the 1990s the 90s let's just say the 90s Courtney Taylor Taylor, frontman of the Dandy Warhols, joined me a little while ago, and it it was quite a chat, I must say. I was a bit intimidated because you know he was huge, right? He was huge in the in the in the nineties. The Dandy Warhols had so many hits, and I remember seeing them at Glastonbury a little while ago, many years ago, let's say, and and they were just um, kind of totemic almost. They were a little bit like. One of the last, if you will, art rock, alternative rock, m- yet mainstream rock bands that just totally belonged, I- I- I'd say, belonged to a family of-, of bands that were so important to the freak scene. Let's just say it, the freak scene, you know, people like myself, slight outsiders outsiders uh trying to trying to get in and they did they smashed it um and and yeah I, i've been listening to them a, a lot for the past sort of two or three weeks just getting into the to the zone for the conversation with with courtney and i and i oh man i loved it it was cool you never know what you're going to get with people and we we talk a, a, a lot man we, we talk a lot about random random stuff but we also get into the weeds man we also get deep as 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 is always the case on the Limehouse podcast. But look, two more minutes with me, and then you've got Courtney. Okay, if you are a, if you're a fan, hey, are you a fan of music? Then why not check out previous Limehouse podcast episodes featuring Peter Hayes from the Black Rebel Mot- Rebel Motorcycle Club, the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, um, and you'll love that one. If you like a bit of punk. Because we do we do talk punk, although strictly speaking, the undertones not aren't necessarily punk. Although that's a debate. I spoke with Fergal Sharkey of the Undertones, and uh, Courtney and I talk a little bit about uh, the Damned and what have you, and his influences, and which was quite cool, because a lot of his influences are mine as well. But I I think God it, it's it's a it's a tough one really because where do you go? Where do you go now? Courtney Taylor, Taylor, Peter Hayes, Michael Palin, 
sorry, I'm just mentioning previous guests. Yeah, I've got a pretty pretty good one next week as well. I'm really excited to 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 bring you that. Um, so yeah, but in the, in the interim, do reach out, as the Americans say, and uh, or actually modern people these days in general, a lot of modern people these days are saying. Hey, reach out, you know, drop me an email, reach out. I'll see you at the, no, that doesn't make sense. I'll see you at Tesco's. I'll reach out then. No, uh, drop me a call, reach out or Hey, um, just reach out whenever you can, you know, um, no pressure, just reach out, you know, and let's get this thing going. You know, that's a lot of like MGMT talk, which I quite like. Okay. You've got 10 more seconds of me. Twitter at Limehouse Pod, Instagram the Limehouse Podcast. In the meantime, look after yourselves, take care of one another. Just screw all the doubters. You're great, and go for it and enjoy this. Courtney Taylor Taylor of the Dandy Warhols. Yes. How are you doing? Uh, good, good. I just had a good long walk a few miles this morning and took, took care of business and saw saw Buddy and made coffee and at the studio and you know walking yeah. is the best thing in the world. Oh man, I I totally agree. Totally agree. I it's do like so about good for your brain walking. How how much you live in the country? So you you're walking ten miles a day. Well, well, yeah. I mean, like, it's not in, it's not like in, I suppose it is intentional, but I have my daughter who I put on my back in a harness thing and I've got two, we've got two dogs, so I have to walk them. And sometimes I walk into town as well. So we're like talking like eight miles a day, but I still got a beer belly. I don't know how to get rid of the fucking thing. It's insane. Oh, uh, don't drink, don't drink beer. Can't do it. <laughs> you have to switch to it's... wine. Oh, but then there's so much sugar in wine as well. Like, you know, really there's 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 only one way to 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 kind of get rid of it, and that's just, just basically drink spirits, but you know, you drink spirits and it's a pretty I don't drink dark I don't drink spirits or beer. I only drink wine. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah don't what, what, stay what away from are... spirit. I... What's your what's your grape? Um, just any, any wine that's, I just, I just like good wine. You know, I, I own a wine yeah. bar and, uh, yeah, I just find great wines and sometimes they cost me 58 bucks a bottle and sometimes they can cost me 10. So it, it's, yeah. it's all over the map. I mean, there is no rigid formula for finding great wine. Unfortunately, you have to sort of remember a number of words in other languages and if you keep seeing them on bottles that you like boil it down to exactly those four words mise en bottle au chateau that in french <laughs> yeah. is is a golden ticket to good wine it means they're making the wine at the chateau and means they drink yeah. their, they drink their own wine well like the the only time i've ever become emotional whilst drinking wine was when we were in Crete last year, and um, one second my daughter's running around. Hang on, sir. 
Yeah, you had to get away. You had to close the closet door. Yeah, literally. I've got my child in a closet, which is kind of one of the safest, cruel but safest places you can put a child. But um, they don't no, get, we were in Crete last. They don't get COVID last... in the closet, do they? They don't get COVID. It's, that's exactly, man. That's the way I look at it as well. Like people keep on like giving me shit for being like you shouldn't lock your child in a closet and you shouldn't you should feed it. But I'm like, but you know, you shouldn't call it. Yes, well, you know, I mean. So you're a Geordie. No, God, no. I can be a Geordie if you want me to, mate. No, I'm I'm from Surrey, dear boy, which is <laughs> the south the south of England. Yeah. Is that Sarum? Uh, old Sarum. Where's that? Is that? Old Sarum. I don't, I don't know that, my friend. I don't know that place. Mm. Is that like, um, there's, there, there's the an Earl Sarum. It's all the way me. to the bottom on the English Channel. And it's it's oh. it's Stonehenge. Oh, okay, that's, okay, that's yeah. Just a few miles from Old Sarum. Yeah. yeah, I love English. I love English history, and I'll read even garbagey versions of it, melodramatic versions of it. So, <laughs> I have what is it of, about English history you love? I don't know the the castles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like the shit that went down in them, like all the the medieval torturing, or like just the the weird like beheadings or the crazy stuff. I don't. Uh, yeah, definitely nothing gross. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I I don't know. I don't really know. It just hooks. I am hooked, completely hooked on you know ten sixty six and you know the black prince and the the first charter of parliament all that stuff all the the one li- little island and and the weird history of it and and the all the internal growth or not gr- lack of growth or whatever but yeah i i do love the english his- history thing love it well like i that's what I kind of liked about um, Game of Thrones, like the George R. R. Martin books. I was like, basically, he took all of the like English history and the weird, crazy crap, like uh, War of the Roses and what have you, and just basically turned it on its head a little bit. Put it on acid and meth. Of... Right, exactly, man. Just and it pumped just, it up I, on weird steroids, it. and yeah, it's it's it was so cool. That was Game of Thrones is the most amazing thing ever made on television it is absolutely phenomenal yeah yeah i'm so glad i'm a lord of the i'm a lord of the rings geek i watch i watch it every january after christmas and all that mayhem is over i chop up the christmas tree put it in the in the yard debris bin and uh (laughs) take the lights down undecorate and then I lay in my medieval basement and watch each one of each six discs every night in order for six nights in a row with a fire in the, in the clinker brick fireplace. And it's pretty rad. I love that, man. I love that. I've done, I did, um, I did like think the director's cut a good few years ago. It's like the first one, I think, Fellowship of the Rings. And it's like, Four and a half hours or something, but it's I have totally, all of them. It's immersive. Yeah, I have all of them, and they're 
it's six discs and each disc is a couple hours long and it's you know two discs per film so it uh oh yeah it's a week of of insanity just and and i my house is you know medieval style you know that kind of thing yeah 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 and uh okay and so i'm i'm in rohan watching lord of the rings you know <laughs> the, sometime you, in the late january middle of january every, every year for over 10 years i love that i love that <laughs> what is that about is that just about like chilling out just like okay christmas is over it's time to start the new year but in a kind of calm good solid foundation of escapism yeah uh, absolutely that sounds about it. i think you nailed it <laughs> I think I know why I can because I'm, 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 we're going to do that with Ga- uh, Game of Thrones. We're, like, we're either doing it in November after Guy Fawkes Night, or we're doing it in in when Christmas is gone and there's nothing else to look forward to except endless long nights. You know, it'll take you 14 years to make your way through it. Though I can do it in six nights with Lord of the Rings. It's, otherwise, I would do Game of Thrones, but I don't really have that many years to. Uh, your daughter, <laughs> your daughter is not going to let you do that actually. i'm so glad you said that yeah i know i'm so glad you said that because people dream. like people do you, it's the most extraordinary time of my life i can't even like put it into words like physically how i feel like dr- just totally drained and you they're know? relentless I, like, all- they are absolutely relentless that's the best word yeah. i've ever heard for what it what it is and to to get sleep to happen is um you have to swap off nights with your partner so you have to, you know, you have to put uh, a, another bed, like just get the cheap futon, single futon, put it on the floor of, of your child's room because there's going to be a lot of nights where you just got to sleep down there. And, yeah. and, and then you've got to have, and you swap off whose night it is. You can either wait for them to call you in the middle of the night or you can just be there so you can go, shh, love you, love you, shh, go to sleep, go to sleep, right, shh, love right. you. And then at least you don't have to get up, walk in, close, open the door, close the door, get the talk to talk, you know, so you can get to sleep easier, you know, uh, yeah. if, if you don't have to move rooms. And then one person doesn't get woken up at all. See, that's how you survive because you are in a concentration camp where sleep deprivation <laughs> is the single most powerful and useful form of torture. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. They'll get you to cough up yeah. all sorts of information. I mean, yeah, if the kids break you. If they knew how to answer, yeah, exactly. If they knew like how to like ask the right questions, yeah. children could technically just take most people down. Yep. You know, under prepared for it. But um Absolutely. Give but, away uh, all sorts of secrets. <laughs> yeah, God. Oh my goodness! Mind you, the podcast I've done been doing for so long, giving away so many secrets. You know, in like five years' time, all they need to do is like press play, and there you go. But um, let let let's let's talk about you, man. Your 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 I don't know, like your journey, so to speak, because I like I've I've been aware of, of 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 you since I can kind of remember. I think. I mean, if I really think about it, it's it's probably like the dandies have always just been there. Um. But like f- for you, when when did like music like become a part of you and like start directing you? And, and when did it become like almost own to own you? Um, when I was probably four years old, yeah. uh, 
maybe three or four, I can't remember. Um, uh, I heard there were a, a number of grown-ups, you know, and I'm looking at grown-ups, and this song comes on the radio, and it was Killer Queen, and I found it, I remember just looking up at them, and they're still talking as though this is just another song on the radio, which is all that ever was in my life was until that moment, the radio is a grown up thing that was just another thing is now this, you know? And, um, and then I was, I was just outraged that they were still talking and didn't they catch you understand what's going on here. (laughs) And so I, I think I, I went over and just, sat down on the floor in front of the speaker and just sat there until something silly came on after it. Sugar. Uh, 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 uh. That was a big part of Jay. my childhood. But uh, yeah, that, that was a moment. And then I knew that that was a possibility. So I would sit up late at night. I, would, I became a really good kid all of a sudden because I went right to sleep. I just wanted to get my parents run through my room, scratch my back, you know, give me a kiss goodnight, get out of my room and close the door behind you. And then I would sneak over to my little radio, put it on KGON, which is still uh, a radio station that's around. It's our rock station. And it's had the same playlist. Had the same playlist for a hundred years now. And... um, (laughs) And I just sat there waiting for this killer queen to come on. And not all of them were, you know, that good, but I did hear Radar Love. And that one also got me. And that's that's the first time I heard that. So then I knew that was what I was going to do. And um, so that's basically all I paid attention to. I got uh, Kiss Alive. Uh, right. I just thought this is <laughs> awesome. That's a hell of a record. And so, you know, I was on my merry way. And then uh, I remember in third grade, we had the, I only know this because the bus stop was in front of my house only one year of my life. And that was third grade. So I would have been nine, I think. Um, it, we had uh, a choir, choir class, you know, twice a week, music class, music teacher. And she starts playing this song and trying to organize the kids into playing, into singing the song correctly. And it starts and she starts playing and she goes, Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Come to talk to you again. Because Amazing. of visions of Lisa. And then she has to stop and go, okay, let's keep playing that song. Oh my God, <laughs> standing up in my arms. And I'm just, and that's when I knew it wasn't just rock. It was song. It was the song okay. intrinsically could be, if it was great, you could just do it on the piano and it still just blew my mind and had me. And so I gave up on that whole songwriting. That's a big job to compete with Simon and Garfunkel at nine years old. So <laughs> I, uh, I decided Peter Chris was my favorite character in that band and I was going to be a drummer. So I spent my whole life denying that I was actually paying attention to how many chords 
where the chords were going at what part of the song and uh and just think well because of the inferiority complex kind of thing yes but i was in there in aisle nine of safeway or aisle eight of albertson's or whatever grocery shopping and and heard um heard the muzak version of you're so vain and and it's just fluffy and lame and then it goes and i was like that even this can make the hair stand up on the back of my neck that is i gotta figure this out you know why is that doing this is not cool and uh and then I heard, and then at about 14, I heard Whole lot of Love. Ooh. And that was, <laughs> that was pretty much like, there is no other part. There is no chord change. This is a one chord song. And it <laughs> is, it is such a great relief when it comes in, you know, cause he's just doing, uh, uh, and you you know and as a kid as a 14 year old you're really super bummed out because he's starting to do the build and he's going to come and go i (laughs) thought saw you on thursday and i miss you so much i really love you but you hurt me bad bad and it never did it it just went (laughs) and it just never stopped and then and he's shredding and everyone's ripping and it's just like blistering power and uh right so that got me thinking about actually controlling a band and making music and you didn't have to be the beatles you know you could actually yeah. just be butt rock and right and that kind of so that shaped that shaped a change in me that didn't, I didn't go somehow that I think a lot of the, the Zeppelin that other kids were listening to at that age at 13 or 14 weren't their cool. What I consider to be Led Zeppelin's greatest work. Um, a lot of it was just knuckle, knuckle, slightly knuckle dragger, their knuckle dragger blues stuff that was very, fresh right. uh in the late 60s when it came out but you know i had had it beaten to death so the only things that gave me that same feeling of newness and groundbreaking cool and swagger were uh are we not men were devo uh i heard that okay record. yeah 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 and yeah um Bauhaus. Uh, right, and so I just became. You, you a, like the damned, right? Oh, and the damned machine gun etiquette, and right. Oh, and the Sex Pistols. Somehow that just sort of, you know, it, it would have been several years after it was released, but it just sort of made it all the way to the white trash suburbs of Portland, Oregon, and Pacific Northwest, and that became a legit. Yeah. Oh, there it is. There's my cassette. Of that. Oh my God, look at this. Sweet. Holy sheesh. Look at this. Can you see what? Oh, the- can you tilt the one on your left? Oh, is that, Madame, is that machine gun? What is that? Yeah, it's a cassette. They're just sitting here. They've been sitting in my basement studio for 
15 years. Oh my God. There, there it is. My, oh. my original cassette of machine gun etiquette <laughs> and my original cassette of never mind the bullets. So yeah, Man, I, just became, I, love it. I became a fringer, you know, uh, London calling was a moment. Um, uh, the B 52s, that first record with rock lobster and girls of the USA, uh, the pretenders right. yeah. first record. That was it. It was, it was, I was off and running. I, I, everything changed at that point in my life. Um, that became your mainstream, right? Yeah, I was, I was not into, and then MTV happened and forget it, you know, like, wow, <laughs> that, that was incredible. Yeah. And, and only the artsiest, yeah. only the artsiest bands saw the value of MTV. I mean, they had a hard time. So that's why you had explosions like IRS records. I mean, that was the indie explosion. And uh, and bands that looked cool were dominating it. Adam and the Ants, Duran Duran, you know, truly, yeah. truly cool style, really far out. And I mean, if you listen to Duran Duran's first record, that is one of the greatest records ever made. It is absolutely one of the the coolest records of all time and they once they got big they became very pop and uh and i like a lot of their stuff uh since subsequent to that record but nothing owned me um like that first record it is yeah it is so badass and they were giving andy taylor who is a really cool guitar player they were giving him a, a real heavy hand in the and the the sound of the band and that sort of got taken away from him um as the yeah. years wore on but they were that record that was that was a pivotal moment for me it was how cool they looked and um their androgynous Can, idea of sexuality was hello amazing i know i love I, I love that it's so freeing right the 80s is just so freeing it's just, just so many different vibes going on and obviously like there's a the hangover of post post-punk era and then it bled into like the synth and, and like yeah you New know Diva and what have you. it's so yeah it's so exciting but what i wanted to ask mm. yeah there, there's when you touched on um radar love is it golden earring is that yeah yeah so for me when you started listing off a few of your songs that you uh. influenced you i'm thinking like when i've anticipation in songs is so important like in a, in golden earrings it's just the bass line boom 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 and it's just like oh what the fuck is that you know and it's just like yeah. bringing you in bringing you in do you what, it, what did it and then you, you do like hello darkness mile for you know um, sound of silence or whatever um uh simon and garfunkel there's so much and like the lost art of anticipation of just like setting the tone and then bringing people in gently gently because we've got something in this song that's going to blow your fucking mind you know yeah yeah i uh I found out the hard way um, that not everybody understands that. Uh, we have a song called "You Were the Last High," and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it it um, when I I had Nick Rhodes help us actually kind of finish production on that record. We had recorded for a year, and it was time to kind of really bring it home and focus it so we went out to london and, and lived there for a, i don't know a month or more 
And we really wrapped it up. And then when I was gone and he went in to mix it, they went into, they didn't tell me they were mixing it. They mixed it without me. And they chopped the, oh, they okay. chopped the chorus in like after 30 seconds. And it, it, that song is not set up that way. That song is supposed to wait twice that long before it builds correctly into the, you were the last high. And it's, it, it's so frustrating. We don't, we play it the way it's supposed to be. So any live version of that would be fine. And there was also Mm -hmm. another version, another entire version of that record made um, that we had lived in New York for a couple months and did it at, uh, at uh, Jimi Hendrix studio, Electric Ladyland. Okay. And we did it with this this amazing producer called Russell the Dragon Elevato. And he is still just, you know, arguably the the coolest producer ever. Right, Um, right. He didn't like working with white people. And he told my, and my, his agent or his manager told my manager that when we tried to get him, he said, well, I don't know, I can run it by him, but he doesn't work with white, white people. He didn't like him. Okay. And uh, and so, <laughs> fuck, man. I mean, yeah. that's pretty intimidating. A bit yeah, odd. yeah. Well, back then, nobody there did either. I mean, we were the only white <laughs> people in there, and they were not. They were super unnice to us. I mean, only uh, the only person that was friendly and said hi was Questlove, who's just obviously right. the, he's the man. I mean, he is the coolest guy in the world, right? But uh, yeah, it was hard. It was really rough on us. And uh, but when I heard that chop of that song, I immediately just my heart sank, and I just thought of Russell, and I just went, "This is why he doesn't work with white fucking idiots," because these old <laughs> men just took it away and fucked it. Right. And that, you know, yeah. like, no, ain't, ain't nobody doing that to Jay-Z. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Ain't going to happen. No, that is some bullshit Hollywood jerk-off crap. That's a stinky thing to do. That's old-school sleazebag industry. Oh, God, yeah. So, Still out there, right? Yeah. Oh, so bad. Yeah, so that, yeah, painful, painful. Oh, but anyway, back to the Duran Duran era. That was also, I could drive, so I bought a Volkswagen bus so I could move all my friends from the suburbs to go downtown after school almost every day and hang out. And Portland was a real armpit. And there there was one dance club that was really cool. It was owned by the Rajneeshis. And then when they closed that, because, you know, they they burned the Rajneeshi Hotel down and they got rid of Rajneesh Puram and that crazy lady. If you watch Wild Wild Country, you'll have to see the whole story of them. But they were just kind of okay. the cool older hippies that were around that we thought were neat when we were the new waiver young kids. Um, but so I started, I was, I would be able to go into gay bars because I looked like David Bowie and I was, you know, 16 years old. And that's where all the cool, cool dudes hung out. And it's where all the cool girls with that looked like Louise Brooks and had style, God, you know, okay. um, right. they all hang out, hung yeah. out. So it was, so I spent years, uh, um, you know, from 16, 15 or 16 playing in punk clubs and hanging out at punk clubs and in the queer scene. So that's where I got 
all my, you know, French culture and my European culture came from that. And then right. uh, my London infatuation, my Anglophile came from MTV and all the other things like Night Flight and um, alternative music and culture shows. And then uh, the young ones. Uh, I swear. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to see I'm trying to picture uh like a, a young Courtney getting into uh like the, the young ones beating the shit out of each other and what have you. Fatcher, take that, Fatcher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. With like sex pistols on in the background or what have you. That's quite that's pretty amusing. Yeah, the damned <laughs> the damned were on that. Um yeah, that was yeah. when uh, Roman Jug took the place of Captain Sensible, and he was a Roman was a kid that um, would go see the damp. He was at every show, and then uh, and this was what I was told, and I can't remember if Rat told me this or if it was uh, Chris from Adam and the Ants, um, but one of those old. Old, old schoolers, original schoolers. I were friends with The Clash. You know, I was good buddies with Joe Strummer before he died and um, yeah. the specials and all that. So I, I, I have all these stories and I can't remember who told me what, but um, apparently uh, they got told, the damned, the... Uh, got told that they they were wanted to be on this show that was you know obviously the biggest show in england at the time and they didn't have a band they said no and then the kid roman jug said i will write you a song i will write you a song and and we're doing this and so it's that catch catch the horror taxi i, I fell in love with the video nasty that they did live on jesus on, it's really awesome like it's an awesome song yeah and so i guess they just kept working with them and they wrote songs with this 16 17 year old kid or something maybe he was 20 by then but he was very young and he was now the guitar yeah. player in the dam and that really allowed them to go fully goth because they were not goth uh, only dave vanyan was looking goth and and crooning like a vampire and being really awesome and so right, uh yeah. yeah this kid saved his favorite band and then they wrote phantasmagoria which has amazing tunes on it grimly fiendish is absolutely brilliant and there's just you know there's this great great that was a great record one of their one of their great records and it's completely different than um you know their 76 77 right roots. yeah when like punk was being unleashed because like you can barely even hear the kick drum in, in stuff like neat 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 you know it's yeah. just complete it's like just thrash right it's just insane it's like one it just sounds like someone just stuck a fucking dictaphone in the middle of the room and just yeah they it, yeah know? they clearly were recording with people they just had some gear had access to gear or the assistant 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 engineer or the janitor <laughs> at the, who could get into the studio and they, but he was trying to be an engineer they'd give him a, they'd give it to him free if he you know showed up from 2 a.m to but he had to be out by eight that was sort of how the dandies made our. <laughs> right. That's how the dandies made our first record. We we recorded it oh, really? in my house. Uh, we've never recorded in a, a real studio. Actually, we've always built our own studios because I was that. Yeah, that's very cool. I was that kid who scrapped together gear and had a friend who was an engineer and, and probably the best engineer in Portland at the time. Um, and he would scrap together gear, and then we 
hook it up in my apartment and that's how we recorded and then we were allowed to for very cheap go to the the real studio in portland it's called white horse and we would yeah. we would have to we were only allowed in after 3 a.m and we had to be out by 9 a.m so that's what we did and that's how we, yeah. we mixed our first record man there's something about that isn't that because i mean i remember like uh going down driving um from london all the way down to the west country or something to just and we belted out an album it, it literally without sleep and we just did it in 16 hours if that and it's raw as fuck and I, I still love it to pieces but like it's just i love i love that element right the diy you know balls to the walls we've got to make this against all odds kind of shit you know yeah i try to I try to keep my life as, as much like that as I, I can. I mean, I'm really, really, really uh, financially comfortable. I'm safe. Um, so it makes it easy to become lethargic. And, and uh, I, I think the, that is sort of what my band's um, greatest strength and greatest weakness is, is that because we're always trying to move forward and do something we've never done and, and really always have that, feeling of, of fear and exhilaration because we are either going to blow everyone's mind or going to get laughed off the planet. Uh, it means that we are never uh, recording anything that's in a style that we have gotten good at. <laughs> we're never okay. doing anything we're good at. <laughs> we, we, always, we always have to try bringing in things that we suck at. And figure it out real time. Right. And that's, okay. you know, I'm and that's what people, David, David Bowie and I, you know, I got to be his little buddy for several years in the early 2000s and mid 2000s. And we talked about that all the time because, you know, he, he knew that everyone thought of him as this super hit machine. And he was like, I had so many flop records and huge tracks of material that no one cared right. about that everyone thought sucked yeah. i was always in fear of being dropped and just pushed out of the industry forever um because i was always trying something new and he said he also said to me then he said why do you always want to be the first to do everything courtney it's so much more profitable to be the second <laughs> <laughs> like really who is the first one that did ashes to ashes what did you think you were wow, being the yeah. second at with that or anything you know like man he's probably just thinking he just like got lucky or something right i think that's what some of those people think because he you know he had a wonderful sense of humor right and he was just such a lovely guy like he probably just very like you know uh, uh, humble right so yeah i mean I, I i don't i don't know i guess he seemed humble i think he compared to um, the world and you know the the big thing I think he was as a he was pretty humble and had great humility compared to other individual people though he was he knew that they were you know a, there are a lot of dipshits idiots cruelty For and sure. nauseatingly bad humans and he just tried to stay away from them you know he yeah oh, he man. was a, like I, I just Sorry, I was just going to say, like, I've just been reading, like, an article today in The Guardian about old school rockers, like, uh, just basically, you know, touching up, like, well, not touching up, like, having full-blown sex with, like, kids, basically, you know, back, like, from the fucking 
60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, you know, and it's just like these, oh my God, these creepy fucks, you know, like it's unbelievable. It's just so endemic. Yeah, that that whole Me Too movement was such a great outing of not only individuals, but an entire culture of that shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because it, 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 it preys on my mind a lot, you know, because some of my heroes have been, well, not heroes, because I don't, I don't, I don't like to say that now. I've, I've, I think we're all just human beings and just some people are just better, certain, certain better at other things and what have you. And putting people on a pedestal is why we are where we are, you know, why we've got to these fucking terrible situations in the Absolutely. first place. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no, yeah. I mean, yeah, David was such a clean living guy you know he he yeah. uh you know like i think his best friend was like philip glass i mean he really loved yeah. elegant people and with open minds and hard work ethics and i mean he liked to go drinking and you know and be around but he he really couldn't that much you know he would so i, I never really got to know him that way we never really got to go out in public together and carouse or anything it was always sort of like in the studio or you know backstage or you know when we were on tour with them we would just go sit in my tour bus you know and just listen to records together um can you can you remember because whenever i think about people that i've lost that i've loved or what have you i always think about the the quiet moments like where they're not even saying saying anything it's just like the look in their eye like a lasting expression on their face do you ever can you does that like mean anything to you like if you think about bowie or people and stuff that you've lost or what have you yeah i whenever i when i think well david i i only think of um how i never recognized him because he would always wear sweatpants and a hoodie with the hood pulled down and he just looked like he was completely invisible even with that david bowie face he was still invisible Uh, when yeah. he wanted to be, it was so strange. So that's my, that's like the first thing when I think, like if I pick this, you know, pick up something and go, oh, this reminds me of that tour when uh, that's exactly where my mind goes. So I don't, right. I didn't look at him a lot when I talked to him. I never realized that. <laughs> it made me <laughs> slightly uncomfortable to look at him. So I, yeah, I, always like, could, I always found I could be on my, on my game because you want to be on your game. Even when you hang around with a guy on and off for three years, when it's, that's not a regular guy, you know, right. Mike, yeah. you know, and right. it's, so I don't remember what his face looks like very much. Like, I'm Man, afraid I to can, look at I it, could, you know, can... I wanted to be on my game and I wanted right. to have my own thoughts and, and be able to express myself clearly and and complete whole ideas and if you're looking at david bowie you're not going ah. to be yeah exactly wow that is what i never realized that until just now um joe yeah. strummer was easier like, for a hero joe strummer was a lot easier he was a real oh, blokey guy you know he was right. he was cool oh, or, yeah. or he pretended to be a blokey guy he wasn't a right. blokey guy okay. Yeah, no, he was a, yeah. definitely like a worldly dude, but he was a mate, bloke, mate, you know, kind of, yeah. you know. Mixed Come and sit tape. down here, mate. What? Come and sit down here, mate. Mr. Taylor Taylor. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Uh, oh man, I, I was. I was have you ever interviewed Robert Smith? God no, fuck me, man. Like, oh, nah, like, so, like well, I wish, man. That best. would be phenomenal. He was the best. Yeah. He was the most organized thinker and the easiest dude to hang out with and and to talk with of all those super super gods. He was. He taught Zia in my band how to play pool. Like he was just. He is <laughs> awesome. He is an awesome, awesome hang. And I haven't seen him in yeah, fifteen. Well, oh, it's been fifteen years or something, or at least ten. Um, well, reach out, man. You got to reach out. You know, you never know when uh, these people these, are gonna no, depart. We, yeah, no. it's like why risk it you know you've got great memories why fucking risk it that's yeah maybe that's a good philosophy yeah yeah all i mean well joe and david are gone i can't you know if i i still like my dad you know david i still get this like oh i should oh i can't he's actually not there he will not answer my emails anymore you know but yeah. um, I'm sorry that that's your father. Did you say you lost yeah. your father? I, I think that I did sucks. pretty. I did pretty good with because um, I didn't want to meet my heroes. I thought that'd make me really awkward and uncomfortable and all that. But I think I did a good job. I think you know I never asked to meet anyone. They always had to come find me and were interested in what I was doing and my band and you know having a band of. I really love the people in my band. They're just so stinking cool and they're very smart and interesting people and they're very they're very sincerely true artists what you think of as a true artist they don't give an inch they don't sell out ever and they're they're just great so that really helped um attract the great artists um to us and that don't don't forget don't forget in the mid 90s though in the late 90s we were you know the only band having you know relatively high charting hit songs that was an artsy artsy band of the style people did not people were not gagging to meet david bowie robert smith and joe strummer yeah uh, because they were the 80s were still uncool so it was also a part of that was why but mate when when Sorry, because like when David Bowie played at Glasto, like uh, I don't know, maybe it was two thousand or something. You know, he he wasn't really considered like the the pinnacle, right? And at, at that time, and like it kind of he was on a bit of a kind of prove it comeback thing, even though he was headlining the fucking pyramid stage, what have you. It's like that's the day. Know, it's, we, that's interesting. That's the day we met him. Yeah, okay, yeah, we yeah. played. Yeah, we I've played. That, man. We played on the main stage in the early evening, maybe. Um, late afternoon, early evening, and there was a line of grown-ups, <laughs> what it looked like, all in black with black sunglasses, filed onto the side of our stage. And and one of them was pumping his fist and singing every word. And <laughs> and that was it, you know. So we're if Sweet. you if you watch that Glastonbury, uh, if you watch David's, we he said he, he met us and did shaking hands. It was fantastic. I love your records. I love it so much. And this is my favorite song. I'm so glad you played Good Morning. And I'm so, oh, boy, it's better. It's amazing. Brilliant. Um, oh, come come be on all side stage. When, when I play, I want, you, I want you to be side stage. So there's a platform above and to stage right of, of the, you know, where the bands play. And we were yeah. ushered up there for his. And there was one 
other person up there. And it was this little man, a little old man with a big cowboy hat and round <laughs> Harry Potter glasses. And uh, I think the story was that was the guy who fucked up David's eye when they were kids and had been his best friend ever since. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so we, um, we got to watch his show from up there with basically no one else around us. I think somebody came up and asked us if we wanted any beers or something. And then like maybe an artist, like some, some pop chick was up there for a second and then left and, uh, that was about it. And at one point, Zia takes out the bubbles, the little plastic thing in the plastic jar, and starts blowing bubbles onto the onto over the stage, right? Right. And so, <laughs> and you can see the bubbles like blatantly if you get on YouTube. <laughs> there's, there's bubbles on the stage now, and they're floating around over David's head, and you know it's like. Um, so, so, um, some panicked uh, production assistant comes running up. What in the fuck is the matter with you? You can't do that to millions of people are watching this. This is David fucking Bowie. And, and Zia's like, and Zia, so Zia stops and puts him away. That song ends. Another song starts. Somebody, maybe the same clown, comes running up the stairs. David loves the bubbles. David loves the bubbles. <laughs> In between songs, he had gone, oh, I love the bubbles. Oh, my God. That's so Spinal Tap. And Zia, oh, of, course, love it. Zia of course, goes, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Yeah, and that's how I play it, big <laughs> yeah. time. I'd take the fucking bubbles and chuck them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just oh, jumping off the stage. <laughs> just... Right, yeah. Like, that'd fuck be, you. It's like, that'd be no, I love it. It's not like a... Had it been 10 years like earlier, she would have probably just dumped it on the fucking stage. But, you know, yeah. I love that. That's a good memory, man. That's a good, that's a sweet memory to have. Yeah. I, I love it. You're telling, telling it with such a smile on your face, man. It's, cool. <laughs> it's hysterical. I well, I, about a year yeah. ago, I did watch that video of them live and I'd forgotten all about that. And I'm, I'm watching it and I'm going, wow, God, he looks so cool with long hair, you know? And, right. uh, and then I see the bubbles come in and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my god, that's right. Oh, and then I, I ran through the, that story led to one other thing and then the ultimate fight grand finale of that was more bubbles. David loves the bubbles. And so you're just going eh, No. God, that was funny. Yeah. It's oh, like how many man. how many more bubbles could you want? And the answer is none. None more bubbles. None more bubbles. So that's my that that's my spinal tap moment um, yeah sometimes when i when i sometimes when i quote spinal tap without you know referencing what i'm doing people think i'm like having a fucking nervous breakdown or something right. um none more but, black. um none more black yeah exactly mate i always do that in life i'm always saying that it's like i don't know, it's such a gray day like my wife was saying to me it's a fucking gray day and i'll be like it's it, it couldn't be any more gray it's like how more gray could this be it's well, like, the answer is none none more gray 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, I don't know, tap is, tap is just fucking in there and there's nothing any of us can do about it. Once it has, we see that, well, it's, in it's there, because but. it has all the answers. Yeah. Yeah. And raises a few questions. <laughs> it has all the questions and all the answers. <laughs> you know what movie has, I've, my new, the, the best movie ever made now? Um, okay. Midnight in Paris. Oh, what the... Um, it has all oh the ends with Hemingway going... <laughs> Owen Wilson goes, oh, m- 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 Mr. Hemingway, wow, wow. I, 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 love, I love your work. And he goes, yes, it was a good book. It was fine. The prose was clean. It affirmed courage and grace under pressure. <laughs> and he goes, can, can I ask you the things? Can you read my book? I mean, I, 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 want me to read your book? You know, just, just an opinion. He goes, I'll give you my opinion. I hate it. Well, you haven't even read it. He goes, well, I don't have to read it. If I, if I hate it, if it's bad, I hate it because I hate bad writing. And if, I, and if it's great, I hate it all the more because I'm jealous. Don't ever ask another writer to read, read your work. Oh, God. It's hysterical. It's brilliant, too. It's, that is a great movie. It, is, it, it has all the answers and all the questions also. It does. It makes you think, doesn't it? Because it's like I, I love it. It's like maybe it drops maybe three quarters of the way into that film where it's like you, the the guy, the protagonist realizes that every other person has always wanted to be in the previous generation and what have you. Can you can you relate to that at all? Obviously, of within course. the last decade, Qua- watch Quadrophenia. You know? Now you know what's right. going on in my heart. You know, I want to be yeah. there. I want to be a mod. And actually, some points in my life, I want to be a rocker. I want to be one of the greasers, you know? like that. That's why I struggled with watching Quadrophenia, man, because I wanted to be both. It's like, how can you, you know, you want to be like fucking Roger Daltrey and, and Elvis. Or like, okay, obviously not then, but, you know, you want to be fucking like Elvis. But at the same time, you kind of want to be, I don't know, fucking Elton, Elton John John Lennon rather you know it's the dichotomy you're, you're an Elton right? John you're kind of an Elton John <laughs> I, I, I can't believe I, you I all think said that, that. that that's funny yeah I, 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 I do love Elton John quite a lot I have to say and Cliff Richard I'm just gonna say it I fucking I, I was I, I watched half of a fucking movie uh, a musical the other day with, with Cliff Richard called The Summer Holiday I was like fucking tapping he my was so going, he was he was like gorgeous with fucked up teeth right oh yeah yeah so he was, handsome it's insane yeah he was really pretty he was cool looking I, I have gone down the Cliff Richard YouTube rabbit hole and he was I see why oh, sweet I see why he was um you know just like the the Elvis of you know, and then right. was he was was he the one who had like the surf rock band behind him a little later after his yeah the shadows the shadows yeah, yeah. that was smart yeah. boy they were good God, Jesus wept they were like they were so tight but like um I did you, the young ones right the Cliff Richards song the yeah. young ones I mean you fucking know the young ones but like that song for me I used to put that on mixtapes a lot a lot a lot a lot that used to just set like reset my mind whatever wherever I was in my life or in that particular mixtape that song would come on I'd just be like fuck it just well now now it now it just breaks your heart those words (sighs) those words are leaden yeah wow to be to not be young anymore, to not be 19 years old watching that show, not be 16 watching that show. Now I hear yeah. those lyrics and they are 
Oh, brutal. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. man, you you know, you look cool. You've you've got like loads of, to sh- of of shit to lean on and like in terms of like your legacy. So it's like kind of okay, right? I have a, I have a good time and I I I try to keep my life pretty fresh and and just have a, you know, a super positive outlook and it's hard these days. I mean, it can't can it get worse? Probably will. Yeah. But doesn't seem, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's bad, bad. And, uh, you know, we get four years now without having that orange, you know, Freak. the, the legit Marvel bad guy. He's even a fucked up color, <laughs> right? He's purple or green or something. And it's like, he, like, we don't have that organized crime boss, the whole bit. I mean, it is straight up. Like cliche, hey, no, can't make a movie out of that. Marvel already did it four thousand times. <sighs> Yawn. But really, it was horrible to be uh, an American and to be a you know a somewhat lefty. I mean, I used yeah, to be extremely yeah. left, and now I'm not even. Now the the I just I just can't stand extreme either side. They've become so stupid, frankly. You know, oh God, yeah. Like it's just like the common sense factor. You just realize, like after, like you, you look at your that your watch. You goes, "Fuck, it's 2021." You're like, "Hang on, like, can we just rewind 20 years, like pre, you know, horrible to bring up, but 9/11, you know, and just that 10 minutes, five minutes before 9/11, before the world changed, and now it's just like you can just literally the fucking decline is insane. Save for like music of the early noughties. It's just like that, you know. It's it's unbelievable, and the and the devaluation of music means that oh. there's no real reason to try to make really deep music or spend your life really trying to understand and do all those inner workings. And then you know you have to have technical skills too. And I'll say it's easier. These kids can just you know they just open their laptop and they can bang out some pretty cool electronic stuff, and and it's done. You know, there's not, I, I feel like, uh, you know, after our show the other night, um, you know, I have a, my wine bar is in a 5,000 square foot room with Roman columns and, you know, fans blowing and a huge garage doors have rolled up, so roll open. So it's blowing Cozy. now, so there's no recycled air. And, and there was some young dudes in the, in there that have been at our show and they put on like bass music, you know, you kept calling bass music. And uh, and they were you know wanted to know if they could rent my place. I'm like, I'm not having your kids in here, but like, with your basement, <laughs> like tagging my columns and shit, like vomiting. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I said to him, I go, I, he was like, God, you guys are so cool. I can't believe what the huge sound you get with those instruments. I said, Yeah, well, they're all in. They're antique. We're we're not only using antique instruments, but we're making antique music. I mean, it, it surely <laughs> to a 20 year old now, what we do sounds like Miles Davis would have to me at 19 or 18, you know, which I loved. I'm a major jazz head, you know, I mean, I listen Great. to, you know, I, I listen to all the blue note stuff and, you know, yeah yep i hear that i hear that song all the time and, yeah me uh, too, man. 
Yeah, and mid-century. And I, you know, I think uh, Chet Baker is 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 probably you know Chet Baker and Astrid Gilberto are my favorite singers of all time. Jesus man, and like yeah, not a lot of not showy at all, not showy, not showing. Yeah, it's just not. There is nothing laughable about what they're doing at all. You cannot. It's just serious and sweet. And playing and, for each other, right? I love that. God, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, can I? I just I wanted to ask you actually about that, like in terms of um, guitar music these days, and and what you guys obviously you were saying, you know, earlier, like you know that kind of like. Um, like bohemian like you for god's sake you know like that is like a an art what you call like art rock whatever band um in the mainstream you know i was watching like uh tfi friday the day when he goes on there channel four back in the day and i was like fuck me there is just no way no way jose today a band of that ilk your ilk that would find a place today on the box on tv I mean, yeah, you'd have to maybe use, you'd, you'd six have music. to put drum machine in there, and then you'd have to have the the main verses would have to be rapped. You know, you'd have to have rapper, right. and then you could hit the chorus and have the jangly guitars come in and have a big chorus. But um, you know, there's uh, Jude Jude's kid and Damon's kid. They have a band. You know what I'm talking about? Um, the guy, the the kid with the black dude with that, I think he's got an afro or something. He never wears a shirt in their videos. And, um, Ooh, I don't, Jude, I don't know. I'm sorry. Damon Albarn, Jude Law. It was a famous kids band, but they're but they're good. I mean, they're they're pretty good, and they're okay. almost making antique oh. music. But I was just thinking, like, wow. I can't believe these kids are doing that. It was really good. And their guitar player is cool. I mean, he's, they're doing a good job, man. I'm, it's also just a part-time. Yeah. I think they're all like supermodels. So they don't really, you know, they, they've, been, they've been playing in the band together since they were like 12 years old. Right? Yeah, so they're right. cool. That's yeah. awesome, man. That's like the dandies, you know. And, uh, yeah. and uh, so, I, but I think they only like, get together to do it every now and then when they're not you know jet setting <laughs> oh sweetheart you know like hashtag me Insta going on Insta right now um uh, let's yeah, have practice in- next year <laughs> <laughs> you know? totally. yeah that scares the shit out of me basically i mean like i come from like i'm 40 now so i'm like i I, I feel lucky enough to have to have, to have experienced shithole rehearsal studios, which obviously you can now, but there was never, like back then, it was only shithole rehearsal studios unless you were like... And the clubs. Yeah, big, big time. The clubs right? were Oh my shit God, hole. the clubs. The clubs were worse than the can rehearsal you, places. Like when you first came out to the UK, what was like? Were you playing small venues? Uh, the Camden Falcon. Fuck, that's, I don't think that's even around anymore. No. And the Garage... The next, oh my god yeah the, that's the, islington yeah the next night um yeah i mean just they smelled like beer and puke and sometimes poop <laughs> and oh, yeah, a lot of definitely. urine you want to yeah a lot of urine you want the piss and shit yeah definitely yeah you know and, and 
when I was producing young bands 10 years ago in Portland, you know, they'd book a show and I'd go, hey, you got to come down and see us tomorrow night. We're playing at this club. And I'd go down there. It'd be like bamboo parquet floors, recessed lighting in the sconce lighting in the walls. And there's like designer. Everything was designed. And that was clubs. That's what kids that wanted to be in a rock band or maybe had two laptops and a guitar player. You know, they they would play at these designy yeah. places. It was yeah, interesting. I, I mean, and they had food. They had places. good food. They had pancetta on their <laughs> fucking burgers, dude. It was outrageous. No, I don't want any avocado on it. What's pancetta? <laughs> like ham? Oh, I'll take that. Man, that's so fucking hilarious, man. Yeah. Have, have you got a little bit? Have you got a little bit longer? Because we've gone over the hour. No. Are, you, are you are you in a rush? I'm, I'm, um, whatever you want to do. I I just yeah. Okay, I haven't cool, eaten. Yet. Like, I haven't eaten yet today. I I I walked all over. I made coffee for myself down at the studio. Cleaned up a little bit. Borrowed a TV yeah. from a friend nine months ago, and then lost his power cord and his remote, which made his TV useless when he came to get it. Um, <laughs> Tuesday, and so I had to find, dig those, and find those, and hang out with the people. you know, then walk home. So I, that's books. why I had my good walk already this morning. But uh, but I have not yeah. managed to get any food in me, and I made some really amazing yeah. soup um, by pureeing a tomato salad from the night before. Right, sweet man, you've got to be doing that shit now. You know, life's getting serious. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm taking four different vitamins now. I mean, I don't want to, you know, go crazy here, uh, you know, but um, I do my irons. I've got my multivitamins. I've got uh, all this stuff for cholesterol. Matt, fuck, I'm getting serious. Yeah, well, I, I'm a big label reader, you know. I don't want to eat anything. We have this thing called natural flavors, which basically means MSG in America. And it's just, you can put any garbage in something and call it natural flavors. Isn't that yeah. effed up? So oh, I, God, mate. I MSG to, and I have to look green. at, I have to make sure that I recognize every word in the ingredients, you know, I try to keep the sugar. I don't want to get all jacked on sugar and act like a freak and start having sweaty palms. So I do that, you know, I just, I, yeah, yeah I try to just eat like people would have um, before the 50s you know right what the fuck happened but maybe that's another conversation but definitely i often think about this like pre-war and then obviously we come out of the war everyone wants everything because they've had shit 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 for years just the fucking nazis fucked everything for everyone and the imperialist japanese fucking jesus wept and then along comes plastics Fuck me, man. Yeah. Jesus. I get it. Yeah. But... I know. In America, but, um... America had to, we were fighting on both fronts. You know, we were fighting in Europe and we were fighting in the Pacific. That was amazing. Yeah. What a, no wonder we emerged as the absolute dominant power of Earth. We just, we just destroy, well, helped destroy. Obviously, the Russians <laughs> took, on the, when it came to defeating the Nazis, yeah. nobody took it like the Russians did. Man, we owe those fuckers a big thank you, you know. And and yeah. they've just had such a succession of d bags running the country, except for obviously Gorbachev, who was a wonderful, magical. How could that ever have happened? That that guy, open-minded, forward-thinking, could have come to power in that country. 
that's another thing. I think about revolution a lot because I'm in, I live in Portland, Oregon, yeah. and you can honestly say every country was worse off after the revolution, even America. America before the Revolutionary War, when we were colonies of England, had zero unemployment. Every yeah. single person had a means of had means. And I think everyone had a piece of land, frankly, and was a farmer. And there was, uh, yeah, this one of those guys that writes books historically, super books. Um, I can't remember his name, but I, I had read that. It has a sort of a history of, a, of you know, America, 1650s to 1790, maybe. And, <laughs> yeah. And it just, that's when poverty started here, you know. But every, and obviously, you know, the Russians' revolution, when they, you know, they lined up Nicholas and his whole family who were on the front lines being nurses, right? That's why they could yeah. get to him because he was, he, I'm going to risk my life and my family are going to risk their lives for our people. So, so these guys could get to them line them up in a basement room and gun them down. Disgusting. And, you know, yeah. they've just, you know, they've just been the a, a horror show of, of, you know, creepy leaders. Well, I mean, like power vacuums are like what we're basically experiencing now, right? Because like the, you know, Biden's pulling out. Well, I mean, obviously it's not just Joe Biden that had that wheel set in motion a while back, you know, under Obama. But like, the funny thing is that, you know, the power vacuums, we've literally just, we still can't learn, you know? And yeah. what scares me the most about Afghanistan is just like, you know, they knew, man, those, cra those crazy lunatics, they just knew they had to, all they had to do is wait because the, the Americans, the Allies, whatever, the... They're, the, they're going to pull out. They're not going to be in it forever. We're in it forever, you know? Well, also, the weird thing was that the Afghani army was about 300,000 seasoned fighters. And the, and the you know, the what's-their-butts, the Taliban, were about seventy-five to 80,000, right? How did that happen? Their leader... <sighs> up and just split and like you'd think an army could function without yeah. without a without a political leader but it didn't it they collapsed yeah. Three hundred thousand soldiers yeah. ran away from 70 or 75 or something that's pretty weird i mean i i i'm so i was so glad that we had a leader that was like, great, enough colonialism. You know, we're going to not do that anymore. It's not getting us anywhere. It's not, you know, it's, it's not, it's not right to do. I don't know if he's, if it's all financial, just, you know, it's gross. We need to, we need to, we're not getting a great deal on their, on their oil anymore by, by you know, <laughs> sacrificing our soldiers and, uh, you know, and, yeah, right. it was, but it's, you, you know, now they're going to have like women can't vote, can't work, can't have to cover their faces. You know, I mean, they're they're going to be a caveman, you know, a, a knuckle dragger society, it looks like, um, hmm. yeah. you know, maybe we'll see if 
It depends on if the Taliban's leaders are international enough and their egos are big enough that they don't want to look like that. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, that's every, everyone's saying that at the moment, isn't it? We've got to wait. We've got to wait because this Taliban might be different. They're saying that you, they can, women can go to universities, but they can't be taught by by men. They have to be, you know, segregated. It's just like, okay, fine. We'll see, man. We'll fucking see. I tell you, it comes down but to the leaders' what, egos and their yeah, desire to absolutely. be taken seriously and respected as men in the on the international political pl- on the stage. Do they it's want the ego. respect or are they just creepy little men that want power and we're just going to sit in our cave and own the cave. It's our cave and we're yeah. going to be owners of it. We're banging it. And <laughs> if they're just that dirty little shit bags, then it's going to, it's just going to be sad that these, this great country of uh, a history of being great people and having to fight for the, their, themselves and fight off everyone and they're really i mean they have such a cool history you know they've had to deal with more shit than anyone and they have done it for a long time and yeah yeah. to see that go awry in our lifetime is you know the again is just saddening but maybe these guys maybe these guys are different and i noticed the press was taking pictures of some good-looking young Taliban, you know, <laughs> with it, iPads, like, like giving them a shot. Like, Hey, they might not be right. so bad. Hey, you know, hey, look. here's look at this handsome dude, 20 year old with a gun, he's, you know, Hey, he's, he's got a laptop, you know, he had MySpace on it is my, I think he had MySpace open on his laptop. <laughs> I mean, it's slightly outdated, but Hey, MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I, w- I want to ask you about um, real quick about uh, what what we all want your um your collab yeah. with um, Gang of Four man because I saw Gang of Four about 15, 10, 10 years or so ago at a fucking festival in northeast London somewhere it was and, I, I think um, that was Gang of oof. Two is actually who you saw I'm pretty sure Dave wasn't in there anymore and, um, oh, really? probably the drummer wasn't either so would have you had you okay. saw Gang of Two. Yeah, yeah. I saw Gang yeah, of Two also. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. In Belgium, we played a festival with them. Yeah. So is that like tapping back into your roots? Is it like is that important for you? Because it's a it's a fucking different sound, right? You know, I mean, I know you've been adventurous. It was the an, it was anti. Um, yeah, they they were like the anti style. Um, you know that era that just after punk because punk was glam. You know Vivian Westwood and dressing, you know, dressing them cooler than shit. Uh, so I didn't understand why their singer dressed like David Letterman. You know, um, right. and I because I, I I didn't get it. I didn't get that that was actually a reaction to uh, just any kind of rock stardom. You know, dressing like a I don't know. A, talk show host or a school teacher, you know, and not even nerdy, not, you know, he didn't come out with a bow tie and Buddy Holly glasses because that also is glam, you know, yeah, Elvis, right. Elvis Costello was glam. It's uh, just, a, you know, he liked the 50s glam better. But uh, so I didn't get it, but they had songs that I liked, like that one. Um, Peter, my guitar player, really loved them 
like okay he was the guy who brought that in and i was like oh yeah i remember this song this is great and their production yeah. was always uh, a little short of of what they needed to really blow up in america right and exactly man. so it was like man in uniform was at the gay clubs a lot so i would hear that i heard that a lot and then the same same with the stranglers stranglers is now one of my favorite bands of all time but i only hey, heard brilliant, man. i only heard those at, at gay bars uh, when i was a teenager oh really yeah because they, they they're formed in my in... village where i grew up really Wow. Yeah, yeah, Chiddingfold. Uh, Chiddingfold was a tiny village in Surrey, and they they formed in the village. Then they used to play down the working men's club. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Oh, sorry, I interrupted no, you. Sorry, man. I don't remember where I was. I just keep thinking about that soup, man. I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. No, dude, you go and eat, okay? Because no. you've been fucking super generous with your time. Really generous. But um, I did want to just ask you about Wire and Gang of Four, but it's fine. It's cool. Because they blow my tits off. They're a fucking incredible band. Oh my God, Wire. I did go back and, you know, I have that song that goes, Wire's coming back again. Elastic uh, got sued by them. When Michael Jackson dies, we're covering Blackbird. Blackbird, I mean, uh, and then he did die. So we had to cover the hardest song ever to figure out how to play. Um, But yeah, I did just do that probably two weeks ago, went through that Wire album with that Elastica album and listened to like how much they just went. Totally. Let's just make that record again and just have have better modern production. Right. Yeah. Fuck it. Fuck it. Exactly. They're like, why not? Why not? (laughs) Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Courtney, for your time. You've been such a gent, man. And um, my pleasure, man. Yeah. Thank you um, for your time. If you brilliant, man, look after yourself and uh, I'll let you know when this is uploaded via Fez. Okay. Okay. Sweet. Nice one, man. Thank you. Rock out.